All right, welcome back to another edition of the Unnamed NBA Draft Podcast with Trevor Andershock and Drew Davis. Uh, This episode, we'll be looking at Cade Cunningham of Oklahoma State, Sharif Cooper of Auburn, Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana, and Nemius Cada from Utah State. Uh, Welcome back, uh, Drew. You ready for this podcast? Oh, most definitely. I I like the guys we're going to be taking a look at today. All right, let's just jump right in then and uh, start off with Cade Cunningham. I think a lot of people are going to be familiar with him and projected as a either the top pick or a top three pick at the very least this season. Freshman for Oklahoma State, having a dominant year a couple games ago, scored 40 points against his rival Oklahoma. So that really just solidified, you know, his his great freshman season and his draft prospects. So what were your uh, first thoughts of Cade back from high school? You you had a chance to see him a couple times, didn't you? Yeah, I had a couple uh, chances to see him on the UIBL. And I think the first thing that stood out to me when watching Cade was just the way he plays, the speed he plays at, and how it, it doesn't seem to, like no matter what the defense does, he's going to play his way and his his pace, and he just never really gets rattled at all. I saw him a few times, and uh, he played for what, uh, tech, Texas, Texas Titans. Titans? Yeah, the biggest game I saw him play was he went up against Phenom U, Jalen Johnson, and Patrick Baldwin, and Cunningham was far and away the best player in that game, just completely dominant. Got to the basket whenever he wanted to, dunked all over him a few times. Um, just an unbelievable game. So that first impression, well, I don't know if it's first, but that was the first major impression I got from Cunningham and obviously uh, made me think this could be a, a top NBA draft pick going down the road. Oh, most definitely. And I think uh, you look what he's done for Oklahoma State this year and the way he's elevated them. I, I know looking at that Oklahoma State roster and watching them play at UT Arlington in their season opener, I never expected them to be this good this year. And I think that a lot of that has to start with him and the, the presence he's brought to that team and the way he's kind of ran that team. And, you know, got, he's really just elevated his teammates very well this year. Yeah. Um, just starting off with his physical profile, uh, Cunningham's like a six six uh, guard forward type of uh, – you could play either position basically just with that size good frame good build will be able to add muscle pretty easily down the road solid athlete i'd say he uses his size more than his overall quickness um, especially at the high major level and going into the nba to produce but anything else physically that uh stands out to you drew i believe his wingspan was over seven foot and that was something that kind of jumped out to me yeah i mean definitely good length and he doesn't look like a a thin build at all so i think going forward he'll get pretty muscular and um that's kind of leads to his versatility too like uh defensively i know this is kind of this is jumping ahead for me i wanted to mention this later but he can use that size to put, defend different positions and stuff so really like his versatility not only for oklahoma state but going forward for his nba career as well i know i know and for me his versatility on the offensive end is very unique because you know he's he's a big matchup problem because he's too quick you know and skill he's too quick and skilled for bigger defenders where he can over overpower smaller defenders in the post and i think when you look at that and you look at his vision it just gives him the total package offensively yeah speaking about his vision he uh he posted huge assist numbers for uh texas titans back in the eybl days but his assist numbers weren't great this year um i do think he has the vision and plate passing ability to be a, Mm -hmm. a major assist guy but going back to what you said about the Oklahoma State roster, I think 
the lack of, you know, shooting and overall talent around him might be limiting his assist numbers a little bit this season. Oh, I would agree with that 100% because there's there was times in that second Oklahoma game where I, I felt like he would made good passes to set guys up and they just were hitting shots. And that's what it came down to. Yeah. Um, kind of coming out of high school, I thought the major question mark about his game was his shooting ability. Um, he was more of that slasher type, get to the rim, use his size there, but shooting really well from three this year and has been great from the free throw line so far. What do you think just his overall shooting ability um, from what you've seen? You know, I, I agree with you. That was for me, like always the one thing with Cade, is that shot going to come along? And He's definitely made a, a stride in that this year, what he's shooting 41% from three. And yeah. I mean, you, you see that that's something that you expect to kind of continue as he kind of works on his game, spends more time being able to just work on his game all day long when he transitions to the professional level. Yeah. The major thing right now, I don't think that 42% is probably sustainable for right. the type of shooter he is right now, but I do think he has a chance to be a plus shooter down the road, you know, a few years into the NBA. I think it's going to take him a little bit, uh, you know, adjust to the speed of the game, the size of defenders, and while still improving as a shooter, because I think he has some some room to grow there. He's not a true elite shooter right now, but that his, despite that, maybe his shooting percentage would say that he doesn't shoot a ton of threes right now. No, no, he's not. He's not looking to be a shoot first guy right now. Yeah, the major thing I th- I saw from his shot, like a lot of his threes are from step backs or side steps. Um, there were very few easy shots for him because, like we said, he, he is the main main playmaker for Oklahoma State. So there aren't guys setting him up for easy spot up threes. So a lot of those shots are contested and he's still shooting a high percentage. So that's a, a pretty good thing going forward. I think for me, another thing that jumped out was just how well well he does in the half court in uh, isolation opportunities. I believe he ranked in the 95th percentile on those when he's matched up one-on-one with a defender. And uh, he's really impressed me with the reads that he's made as a pick-and-roll ball handler, just being able to set up others and put guys in uh, positions to attack consistently. Yeah, um, Oklahoma State uses a ton of isolation for him, like you said. That kind of reminds me of like a – a Luka Doncic, uh, James Harden type where he's got the ball in his hands a lot and he has to decide, is he going to take a shot or is he going to draw some help and uh, find his open teammates? So uh, there are a ton of possessions I've seen where he basically brings the ball up and the ball doesn't leave his hands. He's that ball dominant. So it'll be interesting to see how that translates to the next level. Obviously, it can be done with the guys I mentioned, Luka and Harden, obviously do it really well, but can Cade kind of progress to that superstar level and pull it off in the NBA level. Yeah. And I think the NBA game favors Kate Cunningham a lot. You know, he's going to benefit from the kind of, you know, having shooters around him and the floor being spread because there's going to be so much more space for him to operate in. And it's only going to make his decision-making and, you know, ability to set up others. Uh, it's going to highlight it even more, I think. Yeah, definitely. It does seem like uh, there's not a ton of space for him to work with at Oklahoma State. It seems like they always got a post player inside or in the paint, at least clogging things up a little bit for him. So should be interesting to see how that works out. Uh, what do you think of kind of his finishing or floater game or anything like that you think he can uh take any of that to the next level and be a scorer closer to the basket I think that that's something that he'll be able to uh use in the NBA is kind of that in-between game where he instead of going all the way to the rim because you know now he's so much bigger and more powerful and more athletic than these guys that it's easy for him to finish around the rim 
that next level, that's that's the area of his game that he kind of needs to keep building upon. I've seen little flashes from here, from him during his time at Oklahoma State, but he starts using that floater and those little in-between shots. That's really going to open up a lot more for him, too. Yeah, definitely. Kind of going back to the, all the isolation, that does lead to a lot of mid-range long twos for him. Um, so that does drag down his, his overall shooting a little bit mm-hmm. for for his freshman year at least, but still overall just an unbelievable freshman year from he came in with the high expectations and still has, has delivered on a nightly basis for him. So definitely can't be disappointed about what he's put up so far this year for uh, Oklahoma State. I think it's got to be noted that he's also done it in the Big 12, a conference that's, what, six, seven, eight deep this year, quality teams. He's, he's seeing the kitchen sink from coaches night in and night out. And you look at you look at that game where he scored 40 against Oklahoma, and, I mean, that was great and all. But you look, what do they go? 48 hours later, they play Oklahoma again. And you know Lon Kruger's throwing every single thing at him to stop Cade Cunningham. So most players in that situation that are freshmen, they'd be out there, you know, hunting shots, you know, trying to get their numbers up. He was just really patient in that game, took what the defense gave him. And then late, once things started to open up and Oklahoma started to have to kind of, you know, open things up defensively, he then he got his. And that was something that impressed me with his decision making. Um, just as an overall view, do you think he has the game? or the uh, tools to be a, a more than a, at least an all-star level, maybe an MVP candidate type of player down the road in the NBA? I do believe he does. I, I believe that Cade Cunningham is the type of player that you get on your team and then you build your team around. I think he's that good. Yeah, I'm just I'm just not quite as sold as you are. I think he's definitely going to be a good NBA player, but as a first pick or a top three pick, I think there's definitely some question marks. Yeah, just not a great overall athlete, like for the NBA level, at, at least. And then defensively, OSU really hides him defensively this mm-hmm. year. Like, obviously, they need him to score a ton, so they don't want him doing too much defensively. And, you know, they play zones. They have him play secondary scores. Even have him play some, like, power forwards and stuff. He was matched up with Brady Manick in the uh, Oklahoma game a few times. But he just, uh, right now, he's just not doing much defensively, like, well, that will translate to the NBA level. So on that side of the ball, he's going to have to learn, you know, learn the NBA game and adjust to those different athletes and skill level. So I think for at least the first handful of years, he's probably going to be a subpar defender. I think that's going to put him behind the eight ball to be that all-star level or higher type of player. I will agree with you on that. If I, if I do have one question mark about Cade, it's kind of his ability, his lateral quickness and, you know, explosiveness a little bit. That would be my one concern. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, just going back to his role, I think he'll, he'll probably be that playmaker, um, shot creator. Like, And the major thing for me going forward is he more of a shot creator for himself or for others, um, especially if you know his three-point shooting doesn't quite live up to this 42% that he's, he's at right now. He'll probably need to be more of a playmaker for others. So him figuring out that role, at the NBA level, something I'm looking forward to. No, that's kind of how I see him too. I, that's kind of, you know, think thinking back to how I was viewing him in high school, I was, you know, an NBA GM. What I would do is I would have a stretch big with him and I would just go, you know, have your stretch big and the three other guys that could shoot, put the ball in his hands, let him create and run the team. I think that's how he would be best utilized. All right. Um, any any final words on Cade? I think we've covered pretty much everything I wanted to cover here. Uh, just that I, the one thing I have to give him credit for is, you know, in, in a day and age, 
change and, you know, development and, you know, the kind of career path to the NBA when, you know, taking the easy route often pays off. I, I got to give him credit for, you know, the route he's taken and, you know, not shutting it down and going after it every night. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of opportunities. He could have ducked people, could have sat out this season, especially with Oklahoma State facing mm-hmm. the postseason ban. Um, so there were definitely plenty of opportunities. And I think that says a lot about him as a person and him as a competitor. So should be a, should be a major plus going forward for Cade. All right, let's uh, move over to Sharif Cooper, the Auburn guard, uh, another freshman that projects pretty highly in most mock drafts. Um, another guy that we've seen uh, in AAU prior to this year. I think, Drew, how much did you see him in AAU? Because this is one of the top guys I didn't see a ton of uh, at the in the AAU circuit. I'd say his last year on the circuit, whenever he was kind of the main guy for AOT, I saw him probably four or five times on the UIBL. And uh, his game pretty much is the same at Auburn as it was then, wasn't it? Oh, most definitely. I, I think Sharif's kind of, he's, it's kind of weird that there's guys that you like a lot when you first see them, but the more you watch them, the more they kind of fade on you, if you know what I'm saying. For me, yeah. he's one of those guys. Really? That's a, that's a bit surprising. But uh, let's just go back. Uh, his eligibility at Auburn was investigated early on, so he missed uh first few games. He was finally... Uh, declared eligible played 12 games and then uh ankle injury here is sidelined him here recently so only played 12 games this season looks like it's doubtful that he plays anymore for auburn so probably just be a 12 game sample size of his uh college career here for me he's uh he was a natural scorer in aau and my short uh short viewings and pretty much has carried over to auburn been double figures in all 12 games and over 20 and five of them. So definitely a guy that knows how to get his points and is consistent on that level. So a guy that really gets to the free throw line a lot and thrives there, 82% plus free throw shooter. Um, huge assist numbers in the, the up-tempo system of Oliver. I thought he plays with really good pace and vision of the uh, ball screen game mm-hmm. as well. Does like uh, a lot of the snake moves, getting into defenders. You know, moving around, guys. I think that looks really good. Um, it's vision, you know, in small spaces seems uh, like an advantage for him or a, a plus attribute for him. And then um, the major thing that sticks out kind of in a weakness area is this three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. Just awful, awful numbers this year. And he kind of has like a wind-up shot. The mechanics are bad. And the thing I noticed too is it's all it's awfully inconsistent. Like his release varies time to time. Yeah, it looks like it might be even better off the dribble than it is off the catch. Like yep. off the catch, he's like bringing it towards his body and you know, getting different motions going. Um off the dribble, it looks like it's more of a smooth one motion shot. So if uh, maybe a, a trainer can work with him, get that smoothed out, maybe that helps him uh, become a pretty good three point shooter. But that's a major weakness, I think, going forward. And then I think his at, physical profile is also a question mark, being you know right around six foot, if we're being generous, with a below average wingspan and a very, very skinny frame. Yeah, he looks really small, um, even at the, the college level. So he's going to look like a miniature player out there in the NBA. But that is going to lead to one of the things, another weakness, I thought he's not a great finisher. No, um, no. Because of that size, like he he gets the basket, but when there's traffic around him, he just doesn't finish the play. And, and it'll tend to force things around the rim, even if it's kind of clear, like, hey, hey you, you need to pull it out or you need to dish this. 
he'll, he'll just kind of drive in there a little bit recklessly and just kind of throw it up. And I think that leads to a lot of his, you know, poor finishes. Yeah. I wish he would go to a, a floater game a little bit more, mm-hmm. not get all the way to the basket. And it looked, I, I saw a few floaters from him. And he looked pretty consistent with it when he did go to it, but I don't know why often, he doesn't use them more. Yeah. More often than not, he's getting all the way to the basket. So that's, uh, those are probably the two biggest weaknesses I saw from him. If you want to throw in just his physical size in there as well, I guess that'd be like a, a third overall one, but his shooting, finishing, and size are the main weaknesses I see from uh, Cooper here. Yeah, and I, I think back to when I first saw him whenever he was a junior at McEachern, and I really, really liked him. And I thought the thing that he was doing there that really stood out to me is, I mean, he was obviously playing with some other really good players on that team. And I felt like he did a really, really good job of running the team and playing within himself instead of, you know, kind of being so much of a scoring guard that he mm-hmm. becomes an inefficient scoring guard at times. Whereas when he will, will will play within himself, play within the flow of the game, run the team, distribute and look for others first, that's when Sharif Cooper's at his best. Yeah, and obviously he's put up some of those big playmaking numbers. I think he's averaging about eight assists a game in those 12 games that he's played. So definitely has the ability to be a pure playmaker. But like I said, he's, he's kind of fighting in between being a scorer and a playmaker. Yeah, and I think that kind of stems from, you remember last year on the UIBL where he led, I want to say he led the league in scoring. I'm I'm not sure on that, but I I know he was right up there. And you kind of look at then he kind of just kind of a, or he kind of abandoned his like, uh, you know, just distributing and just turned into a, an efficient scoring guard more so. Yeah, definitely. Defensively, uh, another guy kind of gets sleeping (laughs) a lot, I would say uh, because he does have the quickness to be a good defender. But like we said, he's not the biggest guy. He's got a small frame, doesn't have a ton of muscle right now. He gets he abused does... in guarding the pick and roll. I, I noticed that a lot whenever I went back and watched his possessions. And when I looked at how he graded out, he ranks in the 22nd percentile in guarding the pick and roll. Yeah, I think most of that stems from just getting caught on the screen. Like mm-hmm. he does not get over screens at all. And I think part of that's, you know, just his physical profile is not very good. And then Obviously, you have to have, um, I don't know how you would say, like just some just a mindset to get through screens. Um, yeah, how that just, want to and grit. Yeah, not just give up right when you get hit with the screen. <laughs> and more often than not, you know, he's at least taken a second or two to get over it. The play's well, be, well by him by the time he gets over it. So, yeah, definitely needs some improvement defensively. But I think the tools are there to be okay, especially – Gets the NBA level, adds some muscle, and you know when they tell him he needs to focus on him to stay in the league, I think that'll help uh, incentivize him to improve as a defender. Yeah, and I think the big thing for him that I look at and say this is kind of make or break for him. You know, when you're six foot or sub six foot and right around there, and you, you don't have great physical tools, the one thing you really need to be able to do to stay in the league is shoot the basketball consistently from three. And I think that starts with kind of looking at his mechanics, getting them more consistent, maybe even retooling it a little bit. I know that's tough to do, but it's just the release point of that shot and the way it comes out of his hand. It's it doesn't have a lot of arc on it, and I think that's something that he's got to work on. Yeah, when I'm I was thinking about some you know first round picks, some lottery picks even that weren't great shooters coming out of high school or out of college have played point guard and you know everybody else has pretty good physical profile physical tools like De'Aaron Fox you mm-hmm. know, one of the fastest guys in the league Lonzo Ball at least is like 6'3 good physical guard really Cole good defender 
Yeah, Cole Anthony, you know, at least is bigger than Cooper and slightly better athlete. So those guys all had question marks about their shooting, but the physical tools, at least, you didn't have to worry about those. Cooper, you got to worry about the tools and his shooting ability going forward. Exactly. Do you see him kind of overcoming that shooting ability? Like, does he absolutely need to be a 35% plus shooter to make in the NBA, or can he overcome that somehow? He would have to be phenomenal at running a team and distributing to overcome that. But I, I just don't think there's any way for him to overcome that. His size with his physical tools, like that's that is a must for me with his him. Yeah, I think there's a slight chance he could remain a, a poor shooter and be like a backup point guard. Um, but even that, I mean, yeah, I think the only way he's making it, you know, a couple contracts in the league, helping good teams win is if his, his shooting improves here. So um, definitely see him as uh, a playmaking point guard going forward. I don't know if he's going to create a ton of his own shots at the next level, but uh, definitely see him as a playmaker. What do you see his role being? I agree. I see him as the same. I I think he's going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to have to look to create for others first and then look for himself second. Yeah, definitely. Um, Any uh, parting shots here? I think that's all I had on uh, Cooper. I I think that pretty much sums it up with Sharif. And like we said, the the shot's going to be make or break. Yeah, yeah. Any chance he comes back for his sophomore year? I would be stunned if he comes back for his sophomore year. I know a lot of other people... You know, see, they seem to be higher on us. I know, you know, Schmitz and those guys, they seem to be extremely high on them. But for me, if you're if you're getting like a, you know, 15 to 20 guarantee and you're Sharif Cooper, there's no reason to come back. Yeah, because if you come back and the weaknesses don't improve or improve dramatically, you. even. Yeah, it's held against you. Like you have to take huge steps to make an extra year worth it. So I agree. Uh, Money wise. Draft-wise, it's probably better for him to come out this year. Most Um, definitely. All right, let's move over to a guy that we've known for a long time, Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana, sophomore, power forward center, uh, just was named to the uh, All-Big Ten first team, third team All-American today. So obviously had a really good sophomore year here, 19 points, nine rebounds. Uh, Physically, you know, he's – I would call him a slightly undersized power forward, um, even for the Big Ten level. I, I know he's listed at like 6'9", but I, I don't think he's quite that tall. No, no. He makes up for it with his bounce, like really quick leaper, gets off the floor great. and uh, you know, Good wingspan. That, yeah, the left hand really helps too, like uh, throws a lot of defenders off a little bit. So uh, physically, I would say the narrow shoulders kind of hold him back a little bit, um, adding – upper body strength and things like that. So physically, anything that uh, sticks out to you, Drew? Uh, well, first off, for those who don't know, he does have a good, you know, gene pool coming uh, from his father. Dale Davis played in the NBA, played for the Pacers for a number of years. It was just kind of an absolute brute on the court. And uh, you look at Trace and, uh, you know, you see the way he gets off the floor, number one. And, you know, he can test shots. That's That helps him a lot in that area with his wingspan. And like you said, I think he's going to bulk up up top. That's that's a big thing for him. Uh, reportedly, seven seven two wingspan. So even if he's a he is a legit six nine that he's listed at, that's still a plus five wingspan. Really good. So um, another thing, he just turned twenty one. So getting a little bit old for the NBA draft. Um, you're basically you're reaching a point where 
the NBA teams aren't going to do per much much projection for you. It's pretty much what you see is what they're uh, mm-hmm. what you get for them. So should be interesting to uh, see his decision this year. See if he comes out or if he returns to a college or crew. Yeah, I don't think it makes much sense to go back, being that you would be coming out or he would be coming out as a 22 year old. And I mean, we look at knowing Trace as long as we've known him and we watched his game as long as we have. Yes, he's gotten better, but he's gotten better at the same things that he's always been good at. You know what I'm saying? He's never really added anything new to his game. Yeah, definitely a left-hand dominant uh, player. He's been that way throughout his career. I will say he has used his right hand a tiny bit more Mm -hmm. the last few weeks. Um, Certainly just a confidence thing, uh, but you know, he's gone this long using mostly his left hand. Will he ever, you know, have true confidence in using his right hand? Or is it it's basically a habit type of thing? Can he break that habit of using this left hand in, in all situations and start using his right more? Going back to his game, you know, he scores pretty much all at the rim. Great offensive rebounder, scores in transition. Uh, Indiana doesn't get him much, you know, drop-off passes for dunks or lobs, but I think that's something that, uh, could really be showcased going forward, especially NBA wise. Um, hasn't shown much outside of the lane. No. You know, remember back to his high school days and EYBL days, they would get him the ball at the elbow and have him drive. Um, and he looked pretty good going to his left hand. He's shown that a few times at IU, but really it's pretty much all around the restricted area for him, uh, blooming. And I, I would say part of that's probably not on him just because. Ninety percent of the time he catches the ball, there's not very much space to work in. He, I mean, he's definitely a guy that would really benefit from having four out around him instead of playing, you know, kind of an archaic system. Yeah, definitely, definitely not much room for him. And before Christian Lander came uh, to Indiana, he didn't really have a playmaker last year. No. So, so definitely not the, the the greatest offensive system to showcase his NBA tools. But uh, definitely has made the most of it, averaging 19 points and nine rebounds this year. So uh, I think the thing, one of the things that I'd like to see him improve on is his touch around the rim. So often he kind of gets caught. And like, like you said, going back to that left hand when he should use the right hand and it makes for some awkward situations where he goes to finish, he's off balance. And there's a lot of times I also feel like that he's just, he's putting it up there very hard instead of using a soft touch. Yeah. I think the main thing you said there was his balance. Like a lot of times he gets pushed off or, just hit off balance a little bit. You know, the Big Ten, they're not calling fouls very no. often. Post, so they're going to allow you to get hit off, get knocked off balance. And like you said, he hasn't done a great job, you know, especially the last month or so of finishing when he doesn't have that balance or keeping his balance at least. So I will I say, know, go ahead, Drew. I know a lot of people will knock his post game and say, you know, he doesn't have a lot of variety of moves. But if you look at the way he grades out, you know, we're talking about a guy that grades out in the 87th percentile and scoring off post-ups, which that's, that's pretty dang good, especially when everybody, when you're kind of a one-trick pony and everybody knows what's coming and they're still not stopping at an efficient level. Yeah, and pretty much the scouting report's been out that you could collapse on him and you know, Indiana doesn't have great right. shooters around him. So he's just not getting much room when it is thrown to him with the back to the basket either. So I think you have to consider that as well. Um, one thing he does do is get a, get to the free throw line a ton. Um, I just don't know how well that's going to translate to the next level. 
when he's playing against bigger guys, more athletic guys. I don't think he's going to get that that same foul rate at the next level. And when he does get there now, he's just an average free throw shooter for a power forward around you know, 65%, somewhere in that range. So um, that's one of the major things he relies on now, and I just don't see it being there at the next level, Drew. No, I, I think he has improved as a free throw shooter since high school, but I mean, it's not it's not anywhere near what it needs to be for how much he's getting there. And also the other thing that I will say is it seems like anytime he's went up against a banger or a guy with, you know, size, whether it be a Coburn or Hunter Dickinson or some of the other big guys in the Big Ten, he's really struggled in those games. Those guys have really given him problems. And that kind of makes you think about what he's going to do in the NBA mm-hmm. when right now I'm projecting him probably more almost as a center than a power forward at the next level, just the way his game matches up. So he would be facing those bigger, stronger, more athletic guys game in, game out if he makes it in the NBA and playing major, major minutes. So that's definitely a concern for me. How can he uh, How can he change that going forward? Can he improve going against those bigger guys, or does he have to completely change his game, You know, add some more perim- perimeter skills where he can knock down a shot from 15 feet and maybe stretch out to the three line down the road. Um, he's got to like be that. able to shoot the ball. Cause I mean, I, I don't think he's a power forward for me. He's a center a hundred percent. And I think the big thing for him is he's got to at least be able to step outside and hit a, a mid mid range jump shot at a respectable level where the other part of this game that I, I think would need to improve is being able to kind of attack off the face up and put the ball on the floor a little bit and find others when the defense collapses. That's another area of his game that I'd like to see some improvement in. Yeah, whenever he does face up right now, you know he's going hard left, and that's mm-hmm. pretty much all he can do. So, yeah, definitely agree. Would like to see him a little bit more shake, a little bit more uh, confident in his handle and, and develop that going forward. But like you said, we just haven't seen many even perimeter jump shots attempted uh, throughout his two years in Bloomington. So definitely a major concern um, going forward where – you in the modern NBA, you have to be able to shoot. You know, they have most centers are start shooting threes now. Power forwards, given that you need to be able to shoot threes. So it's definitely something you wish you would at least be at least attempting mid range shots right now and having relatively good success with it so that he could expand that range in the years to come. Now, I could probably count on my two hands, you know, from the amount of times that he shot jump shots this year, and it's when the shot clock's running down or Indiana just, you know, needs something late, late in a possession. Yeah. End of the half or something like that. Mm-hmm. And in those very few instances where he is taking those shots, most of the time, you hit, again, going kind of going back to his balance, he's fading on the shot. You know, he knocked down a, one or two of them where he's really fading on a 15, 18 foot shot. But I don't think that's a very good thing going forward for him. Uh, just no. kind of trying to improve his shot. No, no. And it's, his mechanics have always been kind of unique too. I mean, it's, I don't really know how to explain it. There's almost a, a hitch in a shot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely comes old school, kind of above the head first and then forward. Um, kind of like all the 1980s, early <laughs> 1990s power forward centers. You just shoot, get it up real high so you can just shoot right over people without really jumping or anything. Exactly. Um, as a defender, you know, he blocks, blocks shots because of his athleticism. But I think overall he's a below average athlete, uh, just not really – always engaged or focused, doesn't anticipate things uh, at a very high level. How many times do you see him go over and gamble to block a shot whenever it's not needed and he can stay home and then there's a weak side rebound? Yeah, that's the biggest thing about being able to anticipate. Yeah, especially with Indiana's system, you don't think that would be something that he would rely on very often, but we do see that quite a bit from him. No, 
No, I just feel like there's so many times, like you said, where mental lapses and he just, he zones out for a second and then his guys behind him lay up. Yeah. And obviously we've mentioned that pretty much with the, the first two guys as well. But when you're, you're either a borderline first, borderline second, or just trying to make the NBA, I mean, that's the thing that could really kind of draw the line of you either making it or you don't make it where they can't uh, they can't afford you to be a subpar defender when we've already mentioned offensive week as well. When you're a second round guy or a wild card guy, a biggest thing I'll say is all the little things add up. Those little things, you better be able to do them well because that's the type of things that's going to help you stick in the league. And if you can't do them, then you're probably not going to stick. Yeah. And uh, another thing about defensively is when he is on the perimeter, he doesn't move great laterally. And that's something that he'll really be forced to do a lot in the NBA. You know, everybody's shooting so many threes. Power forwards and centers have to be able to guard on the uh, on the perimeter. And Trace has not shown the ability so far. And you don't really see that that often either. Yeah, they, they do a good job. One, you know, Big Ten plays a lot of two uh Two posts offense don't force you to come out very often, but then IU also has gone to where they really drop back on balls and stuff and don't force them a hard hedge or anything like that. So definitely not putting that situation very often with IU, but it's a definitely major concern for me uh, going forward for the NBA level, seeing if he can guard and contain off the dribble uh, well away from the basket. Um, oh, I agree. So overall, as a as a role, I mean, I see him as a kind of a role guy like rolling to the basket type rim finisher. Uh, like you said, there's not much face-up game to his to his arsenal right now. So um, right now I see it pretty much all being a roll, rim finisher, and then defensively a rim protector type. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of archetype uh, player is usually like a 6'11", 7-foot center in the NBA instead of you know, a 6'8", 6'9 guy like Traces. Yeah, he's kind of in between spots. And, you know, if you're in between spots, you better have a unique skill. And for me, I, I just don't really see any one skill standing out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you see him being able to fill at least those rim finishing, rim protecting roles at the NBA level? I think he has to get more consistent on the defensive end with his effort and his feel for reading certain situations. And I think another area that, you know, for him to be a good rim protector, he's going to have to, you know, understand how to read ball screen situations and how to defend that and not get hung out to dry a lot. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely agree with you there. Um, Overall, if you're a GM, would you take him? Uh, in the draft this year what's kind of your thought process just overall on where he would fit in a a draft right now I probably wouldn't take him but if I were going to take him it would be late in the second round I mean I'd see him see him as a guy that you know you put in the summer league give him a chance you see how that goes and then you go from there and he's probably a a G League guy most most likely yeah I think I'm pretty much with you I think he'd be a probably a second round guy maybe undrafted free agent for me yeah if he does improve a little bit you know gets a little jump shot going, can face up a little bit. His defensive focus improves a little bit. I definitely see where he could definitely uh, carve out an NBA role here down the road, Shark. Or <laughs> Drew, almost, almost. Shark. I'm flattered. I'm flattered. <laughs> I don't know. Too many people would be flattered by that. <laughs> no, but no, I agree with you on that. He's got a lot of work to do. And he, like you said, if that jumper's able to come along, then, then we'll see. But I mean, am I banking on that happening? Probably not, because, I mean, at this point in time, you usually see those guys, they at least have good touch from the free throw line, and you don't see that with 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think that's all I've got on tracing. Uh, any final words you want to throw in there, Drew, or should we move on? I think that pretty much covers it with Trace. All right, let's go over to our, our wild card pick of the week here. This is uh, your guy, Drew, so I'll let you introduce him. Uh, his, from Utah State, uh, the big fella down there, Nemus Kata. And uh, he's he's a big athletic guy. He's got a wide frame, seven-foot wingspan. I think it's around plus four. Uh, the thing I noticed about him is he has a good feel in the post, and he's very tough to slow, slow down around the basket, especially in the Mountain West, where those guys are mostly likely physically overmatched going against Kata. And, uh, you know, I think he also does a good job of playing in traffic. That was another thing that stood out to me is when a lot of times, you know, you're getting those digs or they're sending those those double downs, and he seems to handle that fairly well. And uh, I thought he also showed a decent ability to find teammates out of post-ups. That kind of stood out to me in a couple games I've seen live of him. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of post moves, and he, he mainly relies on, you know, bullying his way to the basket. And he's very patient in doing so. He'll sit there and back a guy down until he, until he gets to the spot that he wants to be in. I thought he showed decent touch around the basket in the few games I've watched. Um, he could improve at the free throw line. Uh, but I was, I was kind of also surprised with being as big and strong and athletic as he is that he only shoots four free throws a game. You would think, you know, he would end up there a lot more. Uh, another thing that I noticed is he's a bit heavy footed at times. That kind of plagues him a little bit. Um, and the other thing I noticed this year is he kind of showed some ability to step out and knock down these little 12 footers, but it still needs some work. He's at least, you know, shooting them and trying to become respectable in that area to give the defense something to at least think about. And uh, in the league, you know, for me, I'm looking at a role of, you know, a rim protector, a finisher, a defender, a rebound, and a guy that you, you can get him some pick and roll lob action. Yeah, definitely. Going back to the feet uh, comment, I don't know if it's heavy feet or it seems like he just fatigued really early or really quickly. Um, I thought he moved fairly well, but then, you know, a couple possessions up and down and he would be yeah, kind of sagging back a little bit more, kind of a step slow uh, getting out to places. But it seemed like I thought his feet were pretty decent. Um, yeah, I, I, I could see that because, I mean, like you said, he does seem to get winded very easily out there. Yeah, I think his conditioning is something that definitely needs to improve. And then going back to his physical tools, I really like his hands. It seems like if he's around the ball, um, he's snatching it up, no mm -hmm. bobbling, anything like that. And runs up fairly well. Definitely not a guy that's sprinting the floor and beating guys down left and right. Just okay laterally. But like you said, once you throw in the fact that he does get winded, pretty quickly um i think that's where it results and he looks a little heavy footed but his uh his advanced stats numbers are eye-popping you know 11 percent offensive rebounding rate 27 percent defensive rebounding rate and then 13 percent block rate just insane numbers and like you said those things really translate well to like uh, a rim protector rim finisher at the next level i think you're right in agreement with you there about his uh, role at the next level and another thing i like about him is he doesn't need to gather around the rim for dunks blocking shots and stuff he can get up in the tenth of a second and you know get way above the rim hammer at home and stuff and that's a huge difference in the nba like you cannot take time to fully yeah. gather yourself and try to get a max burt you need to just pop off the floor in a split second and think kata does a really good job of that so something i really really think is a positive for his nba potential i'd agree I, his explosiveness and quick quick leaping ability quick leaping ability were a couple of other things that i kind of noted and stood out to me 
And, you know, you see that in the Mountain West. He's just overpowering guys. But when he gets to the NBA, that's going to be so valuable for him. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned kind of his perimeter skill. I definitely saw that mid-range stroke look really good. And then uh, Utah State does use him in, like, dribble handoffs and stuff a lot. So he's not obviously, he's not going to put the ball on the floor and get to the basket from the three-point line. But I like that he's at least comfortable with the ball. In his- no, and I think watching them last year towards the end of the season where I saw them a couple times to now, where last year, you know, he's much more of a complimentary piece. Everything they're doing revolves around Sam Merrill to now whenever he's kind of the guy. You could see that growth in his game, this touch and his ability to step out. That's something that, you know, that really jumped off the page to me. Yeah. And we were kind of talking about Trace Jackson Davis. Like you want to just see those glimpses of mm-hmm. the mid-range shot, the ball handling, the face-up skills. And you see those things from Kato where, you know, they throw it to him in that, 10 to 12 foot range a lot where he does face up the guy take a couple breakdown moves and then either gets into a post move or kick it back out so i like to see at least those those flashes of potential oh exactly exactly um and then like you said you know he's just an okay free throw shooter right now um i think he's in that same range as what jackson davis is doesn't shoot many threes but definitely would like to see him you know, at least be able to hit that spot up wide open three going forward that would that would really open up a lot for him and i think if you if he's able to do that in the nba you're looking at a guy that's going to be able to play for a while yeah hey that would that would be a pretty much a perfect you know advanced stat center where he's taking that three once in a while finishing at the rim and blocking shots i mean that would be perfect for most uh lineup construction and the way i mean i know a lot of people are saying you know they want guys to be able to shoot at all five spots but if there is a guy that can get away with not being able to shoot his archetype, he he fits that mold of being able to, you know, rebound, block shots, finish around the rim, you know, be serviceable out of the pick and roll. He he's that guy. And with his rim protection and stuff, you can you can definitely get away with a lesser defender at like a power forward position too, mm-hmm. where he can make up for it and clean things up around the rim. So definitely, definitely like his role type going forward here. Um, I just don't know. Obviously, competition-wise, he's not going up against you know, Big Ten or Big Twelve centers all all the time. So there's obviously a question mark there. But what do you see as his you know most likely outcome for an NBA career? I see him as a guy that's you know a bench guy, a seventh, eighth guy off the, you know your backup big on the bench that you're going to call in to do all the dirty work all the little things you know you'll be able to run you know a modern offense around and play four out around him you'll be able to have him do you know hit the glass hard like i said block shots and finish around the rim it's, it's a pretty simple role it's a role that you can stick in for a long time yeah i definitely agree with you like i think it's pretty easy to envision him as a backup center in the nba and then if he gets that you know three-point shot going you're talking about maybe a possible starter mm-hmm. down the road so I uh, definitely agree with you there. I think there's a great chance for him to make it in the NBA. Just a pretty much a matter. Does he come out this year? You know, he tested the water two times so far and ended up going back to Utah State. It'll be interesting to see what he decides this time around. Almost definitely. And, you know, one thing about Utah State is they're going to continue to reload and put guys around him that are going to put him in a spot to succeed. So if he does come back, I think he'll be in a great spot. But, you know, if he does go on, I, I really like his chances to kind of carve out a role in the NBA. Yeah, it's a little bit off 
off topic here, I saw one thing while watching games at Cato where Utah State had like five guys over 6'10". Pretty pretty impressive for a, mm-hmm. a Mountain West team. I think, I think they said they were the biggest team in the country just off pure height. Yeah, and you look at that conference and you look at night in and night out, Cato is the biggest guy on the floor, the most powerful guy on the floor. And you don't you don't see a lot of that in the Mountain West. Yeah. So um, any any parting words on Cato? Where you're where does he rank uh, among the wild cards that we've broken down before? I think uh, he's kind of going out of wild card range. He's a guy I would consider taking in the second round, to be honest. Any chance you would take him in a first round pick he comes out this year? No, no. I think that's too high. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, we've seen crazier things in the NBA draft before, but definitely wouldn't take him in the first round. Um, I'm like you. I think there's a good chance he gets drafted in the second round if he comes out this year. But you'd definitely like him better than uh, Derek Alston Jr.? Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. I think Austin's ceiling for what he could become is higher. But I would say in terms of carving out a role, Kata has the best path, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something easy to envision, at least with Kata, where you know exactly what he needs to do and the role he needs to fill to to make it. So definitely agree with you there. Um, overall, which guy do you think, you know, tops out or ranks highest in their individual uh, tier here? Cunningham as a lottery pick, Cooper as a first rounder, Trace as a second, or Kata as a wild card? I'm going to go with Cade uh, Cunningham because, you know, you look at Cade, you know exactly what you got to do is you got to put it, put guys around him that can space the floor and shoot. You're going to put the ball in his hands. You're going to let him run the show and he's going to be able to create for others. I think he's going to do that at a very high level. And it's something that you can build, build upon in the NBA. And I think he's going to have a very, very good career, you know, multiple time all-star, you know, uh, all NBA type guy potentially down the road. I, I see him, you know, flourishing at the next level. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you. I'm. I don't know if I completely love him as a in theory as an overall number one pick, but I just don't see many other options, especially with this draft class. I think clearly a, a top three selection, and I think he'd be pretty happy with it if you you land him in that range this year. Um, anything else to add here, Drew? Uh, are we going to do the guy that we? Or like uh, the guy we're most, you know, scared about or, uh, you know. Worried about uh, making it? Yeah, go ahead. I think for me, that guy's got to be Sharif Cooper. I mean, the tools don't jump off the chart. The shot, the shot really scares me. That is the thing that I can't get over with him. Yeah, Um, that would probably be my guy too. Especially if he's projected to be a first round pick like he probably is. It's definitely a tough path for him if that shot does not totally change and improve dramatically. So I agree with you. I mean, it's definitely going to be an uphill battle for him, his size and his his role to make in the NBA. So I mean, can you can you imagine a team takes him in the lottery? Like there, there's jobs on the line. Like you take him in the lottery. I could see that going very poorly. Lottery seems like a huge stretch, but who knows? We've we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any chance I would take Cooper in the lottery this year. No, no. It's it's not the the deepest class in the world, but it's good enough where you don't need to stretch on Cooper in the lottery. No, there's no reason to jump and take him in the lottery. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, I think that's all I've got, Drew. Anything uh, you want to add at the very end here? No, I think I think that pretty much covers it for this episode. All right. Uh, I think that'll wrap it up. Thanks for joining me again, Drew. Uh, I'm going to try to get these cranked out, uh, especially with the NCAA tournament around the corner, try to hit as many guys as possible uh, in the next few weeks. So stay tuned. And uh, if you have a uh, 
name that you want to suggest for the podcast, uh, hit us up. All right. We'll uh, see you next time.